The opinions expressed in this podcast are individual and are not necessarily representative of Spirit Live or Toronto Metropolitan University. Welcome racing fans to another thrilling episode of F1 Mailbag Madness. I'm Alexa and I'm here to dive headfirst into the high octane world of Formula One alongside my fantastic co-host Marshall Crocker. That's right Alexa, I'm Marshall, your fellow Formula One enthusiast and I can't wait to unpack all the excitement, the drama and all the adrenaline pumping moments that this incredible sport has to offer. Well, if you're new to the show, Mailbag Madness, this is where we bring you the latest in Formula One news, dissect the most exhilarating races and share our in-depth analyses on the drivers, teams, and everything else that makes Formula One the pinnacle of motorsport. That's not all, folks. We also have something special in store for you. This show is all about you, our fantastic audience. We're going to throw open the doors to our virtual mailbags. You can send in your questions, comments, and insights. That way we can answer your burning questions and share your opinions on the air. So whether you're a diehard F1 fanatic or just dipping your toes into the world of racing, Mailbag Madness is the podcast that's got it all. From the twists and turns of the track to the inside scoop on the personalities and stories behind the helmets, we're your one-stop shop for all things Formula One. So buckle up and get ready for a wild ride through the world of Formula One. This is Mailbag Madness. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the fifth ever episode of Mailbag Madness. I'm Alexa. I'm here with Marshall Crocker and Viva Las Vegas, baby. We got a race this weekend. Very excited about that. How are you feeling, Marshall? Uh, I'm excited but nervous. I got to be honest. You couldn't have gone two minutes on F1 social media this week without hearing about all the chaos and all the, the track breakages and everything going on. So I'm excited, but boy, I haven't been this nervous for a race of success in a long time. Well, look, Marshall, uh, it's the penultimate episode. We only got one more after this, so it's only right that we preview the penultimate race of the year. And yeah, exactly. a lot of hype going into this um, into this race in particular. I know we haven't had a Vegas race in a very long time. I think the last time they did one was in a parking lot. So it technically yep. is the inaugural Las Vegas Grand Prix. Uh, give me your takes, Marshall, as we always start with every podcast. We want to hear from you first. Uh, what are your predictions and uh, what are you expecting from... Uh, very unpredictable Las Vegas Grand Prix in my eyes. Yeah, I think, well, by the time this comes out, you guys will all know what has happened. And I, I think I'm going to be correct in saying, I mean, this this race is going to be absolutely nutty. I think the the biggest the biggest comparison I think I'm going to make to it is I think this will be like Singapore from earlier in the year, just a little bit more composed in a lot of ways. Um, this is a much simpler track. If you look at the track layout, it's a lot of fast straightaways. Uh, to piggyback off of what a lot of people have said, it does look like a pig upside down if you look at the track map, and I just think that's really funny. But you, you really think about the, the context of the race, and first of all, how late they're running it. I know there's all this talk about like TV schedules and how hard it is to watch if you're on the American East Coast as opposed to like Britain where you're getting up super early in the morning. Um, but I think that the level of cold has been talked about enough that that's going to be crazy. And I think a lot of people have talked about for Red Bull. That may be a potential problem for Verstappen. And that's why a lot of people are worried about Max specifically in that Red Bull with uh, Perez as well. But no, goodness, I just I think it's going to be such a fascinating example of how guys are able to adapt. And I think this is really going to test something that maybe we don't see enough in F1. Um, and that is just general adaptability from drivers because nobody's run this track. Uh, again, they're, now they're short of practice session because of the uh, Carlos Sainz pothole issue that uh, I think Alcon dealt with too. So there's there's just there's so little knowledge going in, and I think that's what's going to disadvantage Max maybe more than anything, because he he's really only been experienced in these conventional circuits, um, less so than the street circuits. We saw it at Singapore in, in, in beginning of the year when Perez was taking wins off him, um, and and to just to, to kick it a step further that he's not 
not experienced at the track at all and it's a street circuit and the car is going to have cold tires and it's going to be up late and he already doesn't seem to love the track as well i think when you take that into account this is just shaping up to be a race that is more competitive and i'm personally excited because I think a lot of people are getting a little bit too one note about, oh, the only chance anybody has to beat Verstappen is going to be Lando. It's going to be like Norris stepping up with what we saw at Brazil with how competitive he was in those first couple laps. Um, and I, I want to agree. And obviously, Ferrari's had a lot of pace. They were top two in FP2, which is the only real practice session we've had so far. I think Ferrari will do quite well in qualifying. But I think in the race, I actually think this is a Mercedes week to come back because um, I know there's been a lot of talk about Bayer. They're kind of on the on the way out and, and things aren't going well for them to cap off the year. But I just feel like they're going to adapt well. I feel like we're going to see a lot of the pace we saw at Singapore. And I would I would put a better shot on maybe both the Mercedes guys than uh, than a driver like, you know, like like a Leclerc or certainly an Alonso. Maybe Norris. I think Norris makes the podium again, but we'll talk about that in a bit. I'm, I'm curious for your take on that. Maybe Alexa, like Mercedes, do you think this could be a good bounce back candidate for him? I think it definitely can. But one thing I want to take into account is what we saw in Monza. And that's when we really saw the straight line prowess of the Ferrari coming to life and challenging the Bulls in the first few laps of that race. And it was really hard for Verstappen to kind of get around size signs, uh, I think within the first like 20 laps of that race. And I think we're probably gonna see something like that too here. So before I touch on who I think is gonna finish on the podium, um, this is by far the most anticipated Grand Prix of the year by a mile. And a lot of hype, a little bit of controversy, which we don't have to get into because Look, I mean, you're always going to have these uh, these questions surrounding new tracks, new services. Uh, is the race more for a show rather than it is for the actual uh, racing? But look, based on what I saw in free practice too, Ferrari is definitely setting the pace early now. Sainz can finish P1 in qualifying and he'll have to start, I think, P10 or P11, depending on how many uh, grid drops he gets based on the uh the mechanical change that they had to make make to the car because of the uh the incident that occurred in fp1 um but i think it's all but confirmed that leclerc will get pole position for sunday's race given what we saw in fp2 i just think the 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 the, the speed and the straight line that we saw from ferrari in monza is going to play into uh into this race and it's pretty clear that they brought the best low downforce package out of all the all the teams um to, to Vegas. So a lot of uncertainties with the weather and how the tires are going to react to the conditions based on the nature of the track. Now, I think this will play into Ferrari's favor because if you look at all the races that they do struggle at, it's very hot. Uh, the uh, the tire deck is really bad. I don't think that's going to happen here in Vegas in particular because of the weather and it's going to be a little bit colder. So we might see that not play a factor this time. Um, but one thing I do want to make for the predictions, and you, you you did mention Mercedes, I actually do think that this will be a Red Bull track. And part of the reason why is because Verstappen and Perez, again, we talked a little bit about how their drivers driving styles uh, differ compared to one another. I do think that with Perez in this track in particular, so not only is it not only is it a street track, but I think with Perez, his ability to kind of show the true pace of the Red Bull in a straight line it's, is what's going to play a factor in this race in particular. I don't think he's going to have a lot of corners to kind of lose time. As you mentioned in the first episode, his, his U-shaped driving style compared to Max's V-shaped driving style doesn't suit the characteristics of the car. I don't think that's going to play a factor in this race. I think he's going to have a lot of laps to overtake as many cars as possible in front of him in that straight line. We saw that in Brazil and we saw that in uh, in Mons as well. They finished with a, with a 1-2 in Brazil uh, they finished with a one-two in Monza was because um, he was just able to utilize the the straight line speed of the Red Bull 
regardless of whether or not, you know, Leclerc or Sainz or even Hamilton for that matter in Brazil were, were racing better than him. I just think he's going to have so much pace in that straight line because of the Red Bull DRS that he's going to be able to make up places pretty quickly, even if he does have a bad qualifying. And we know what the case is going to be for Max. He is, he's going to drive that Red Bull to the, to the best of his abilities, regardless of the track and regardless of the conditions. So in my mind, I, I do think Mercedes will have a pretty good weekend, but I don't think they're going to be at the same level as Ferrari and Red Bull. And I do think that the Bulls get a one, two. I think Verstappen finishes first and Perez finishes second. Again, just, you know, being able to, to utilize the, the Red Bull pace to the best of their abilities in a straight line. So like barring the corners that are going to maybe affect Perez in qualifying, he's going to have so much time to overtake every single car in front of him. And I do think Leclerc ends up getting P3. I might've said signs, but because he's going to drop back because of that 10 place grid penalty, I think, I think Leclerc ends up snagging that final podium spot. And then for P4, P5 and P6, we're probably going to see the McLaren and Mercedes battling out there. But yeah, I just, I just definitely think this is a Red Bull track in terms of the characteristics. And if there's one more team I, I want to mention that I think might have a pretty good solid weekend, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be Williams because we know that, we know that Williams DRS is pretty good and we could see Albin finishing a little bit higher up the picking order than usual, but yeah, we know Ferrari is great in qualifying, but the Red Bull race pace and the lack of tire deck, not that it's going to play a big factor here. I just think that, uh, it's going to be another uh, a Red Bull dominant showing come come race day qualifying. I don't know, but definitely on the race. I don't know if there's anything you want to add. Yeah, I, I actually I, I do. I do see Red Bull having having a lot of issues. I, I actually see very little chance both of them finish on the podium. And the reason I think that is because I I see this race as being more of a war of attrition than I think some people are, are making it out. I think some people are giving it credit that it will be pretty crazy. Um, but you look at, you know, the top maybe the top four teams, both drivers, let's say both drivers from McLaren, Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull. I think three to four of them wreck at some point in the race. I think this is going to be truly like grueling in terms of cold tires all the way through. Guys don't know the track. I think we'll see big names making mistakes that aren't very conventional. And that's probably why we'll get more of a surprise. Um, like, and even in my mind, I think science making the podium again, in my mind, is a surprise. So I think he could sneak in there. Um, again, why I think Mercedes could just quietly have a good race because I don't think they'll be pushing quite as hard um, if they don't feel like their pace is entirely there. I think they'll kind of be more more controlled about it. I think that that is the one thing that I will give their team credit for because I know that strategically they've had a lot of issues in years past, but they do know how to be like calm and composed, which is what Ferrari doesn't have. Like they get panned a lot for their st strategy too. And that's um, kind of one of the big reasons for that is because they just make bold decisions that go um go poorly but yeah no i i, I think this is going to be crazy i would not and, and i'm as somebody who thinks uh the gap from max um to the second best driver in f1 which we'll go over in a little bit is much bigger than like two to five um you know i think he still is it really good shot to make a mistake this week um yeah if we, I, i'm gonna call it right now i think we see if not the leader maybe a guy chasing him for p2 just flat out wreck it in the race this weekend and i i'm not going to be surprised when it happens and that's why i think I don't think maybe any team gets two guys in the podium because I just think that requires a level of good consistency that I don't think we'll see. I do agree with that, actually, because based on the highlights that I saw from FP2, it looks like a lot of guys had issues locking up and warming up their tires. Pretty much every single driver, including Max, went off the track at one point. And I think it has a lot to do with, again, the, the tires not being adequate uh, to, the, uh, to the weather. And then on top of that, it's a new track and people are still learning it. I just feel like Perez might have a good showing given the pressure that's on him right now to to secure that p2 in the championship and on top of that it's a street circuit so who knows maybe we might even see perez pull it off and and get his first win since baku but 
it will be interesting to say the least. I do think it's going to be crazy. And I guess that plays into our next segment perfectly, Marshall, because we are going to continue talking about the drivers and we want to give you a lot a driver ranking from 20 to one. And we will breeze through this pretty quickly because I think you and I are on the same page on a lot of the drivers. So starting from 20th all the way to 16th, Marshall, I want you to give me your top five worst drivers on the grid. The floor is yours. So I, I don't think there's a ton of surprises here. There's maybe one hot take here. Uh, starting at the bottom, it's, it's Logan Sargent. Shouldn't have been an F1 at the beginning of the year. Shouldn't be now. He's a second off the pace to anybody else in, in first practice. It, like, it blows my mind. But um, so he's solidly 20th. I really, I really considered putting him up higher, but I'm going to put Lance Stroll at 19 because I think he goes in that category of guys that just fundamentally shouldn't be an F1. Um, and I know that the, the example people are going to give is, yes, he was just P3 in quality the other day um, for a sprint race. Like, he... He has that weird pace. He had that pole the other year. Um, I think it was Istanbul, the one rain race. He has a, an incredible skill in the wet, which is really surprising. And it must just come from his karting background for all those years. But just, yeah, he has only been outperformed by just terrible, terrible teammates for a number of years. And then Alonzo's just put him in a different category. I think you put anybody I'm about to put higher than him on this list and, and they would far out, you know, I'd succeed him. Uh, even guys like number 18, Magnuson, who again, really hasn't looked that exciting. Really hasn't been uh, that spirited of a name the last couple of years, but he, he showed talent back in the day. Again, I, I watched him in IndyCar and and it, there is definitely a ton of raw pace there. He's just, I, I don't know what it is. He just hasn't been able to get into that other gear. I don't think he has the hunger of some guys higher on the list. And then number 17, Joe, I think a lot of people will agree with. It's a pretty fair placement. And then Sonoda at 16. And this is another one that just, I think I'm a lot lower on him than a lot of people are, but uh, I would probably put him 18 or 19 last year. He's moved up a couple spots, but I don't anticipate he moves much further just because like we really haven't seen enough progression from him, in my personal opinion, especially not to be getting in talks for the uh, the Red Bull seat. Just, yeah, doesn't look great. Makes a lot of mistakes. Um, I, he's not the kind of guy that I would want to be a team principal for. He doesn't seem very easy to get along with. And just that's not a guy I think you want to build an organization around. So he goes in the bottom bottom five for me. Okay. Um, funny enough, you and I have the same bottom five. I've got Logan Sargent at number 20. I've got Joe Guan Yu at number 19, Magnuson at 18, Sonoda at 17. So you might have played uh, a role oh, wow. in giving me that giving me that uh, idea to put Sonoda at number 17. I just think you made a, make a lot of great points with not only his attitude, but his ability to constantly make mistakes and kind of screw himself over in the race, even when he's on track to have a, a pretty good performance. And at number 16, I got Stroll. So a, a, a part of why I put Stroll ahead of a lot of the other guys is obviously the statistics. Um, it's hard for me to kind of compare and contrast all five drivers, given how they've all been in different situations throughout their F1 careers. I just think Stroll, you know, setting pole at that one race and having a few podiums in his back pocket is kind of what forced me to put him ahead of guys like Guan Yu, Sonoda, Magnuson, Sargent. And I think with Guan Yu, I, I, I'm not, he, he, he to me is what Logan Sargent is to you. I just don't think he is a driver that is uh, that is suitable to be in an F1 scene, in my opinion, just from what I've seen over these last two years watching F1. And I think with uh, with Kevin Magnuson, again, you make some really great points that there is a lot of raw pace there, but just the way he's been dunked on by Alkenberg this year is kind of what justifies, you know, a top a, a bottom five uh, position, in, in my opinion. He did beat a. Uh, he did beat uh, Schumacher last year, and I did I did think that he did put the Haas in a position that it wasn't supposed to be in last year, especially when he got that uh, that pole in Brazil and he had a couple of good uh, point scoring races. 
um, throughout the season, but I think I think he's definitely at the bottom three, in my opinion. I, and I put Stroll ahead of Sonoda uh, solely because of the, uh, the statistical edge that he has over uh, over the Japanese driver. I just think I just think with Stroll, he definitely he definitely is in the bottom five. But yeah, I think I think there is some credibility to give him, given you know he has had a few races where he has kind of shown some potential. But at the end of the day, I just I just couldn't put him any higher, given that he's been out of queue. Uh, won so many times this season, this season, even being in a top five car. So I think you and I can pretty much come to an agreement that we that we do know who the worst five drivers are. Again, there's there's always uh, arguments to be made about how they would perform if they had better machinery. But I think we can tell based on the raw pace. And what I'm seeing here is that this this top this bottom five looks like the bottom five that we always see come out of Q1. Like the, the next the next the next five I have here are Hulkenberg, Albin, Ricardo, Ocon, and Bottas. And I feel like I've seen those guys a lot more in Q2 than I have in than the other five guys. But yeah, so moving on, then I have Hulkenberg at 15. I've got Albin at 14, Ricardo at 13, Ocon at 12, and Bottas at 11. Now, before we get into our top 10, Marshall, what do you think of my uh, my next five uh, names there? And who'd you put from uh, from 11 to 15? So yeah, we've, we've got the exact same bottom 10. Uh, I have, in order, I've got uh, Ricardo 15, uh, Hulkenberg 14, Bottas 13, uh, Ocon 12, Albon 11. And it's it's tough, and I, I'm really trying not to go too much based on current form, because obviously the last couple of years, especially this season, uh, Albon's really stepped it up. He's looked good in fairly weak equipment, especially if you think anything but straight line speed. That Williams is brutal cornering, um, and he's pulling quite a bit out of it in good results. So... Um, it's it's tough. Bottas definitely would have been, for me, as an actual driver, closer to maybe top five to seven range a couple seasons ago. Um, but he's just gotten older. I think he's lost a lot of that competitive edge. Same thing as, as Magnussen. Um, he, he just kind of, I think, lost it over the years and has stopped outperforming that machinery the way he was for Alfa Romeo as soon as he left the Mercedes seat. He was really looking resurgent there for a while. So I, I, I have him at 13. Hulkenberg at 14, I don't, I don't think is uh, too controversial. Ocon at twelve is is real was really tough, and I I almost um almost regret the gap I have between him and Gasly on my list, which isn't huge, but they are just so close in that Alpine, and they have been for the last two years. They 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 really are a one A one B. I know Ocon has a lot more um typically more consistency, and I know Gasly's had a lot of uh, issues mechanically the last couple of years, although that's kind of been Ocon's deal this year. Um, but I think they are quite quite a bit closer than that. I just I think Albon. We saw him at Red Bull. I think he had a consistent enough pace to make, you know, top top fives pretty well. Um, I, I don't think Alcon would do much better. So maybe I would flip those two is, is all I would change. But yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think that this this bottom 10, I think, is is pretty predictable for a lot of people. Um, and it really does. I, I do think in the list we've gone over, I think probably bottom four, bottom five. Don't, don't, uh, shouldn't probably have a seat in F1. And there's a couple of guys that maybe at the end we can go over a couple of guys that swap in. Um, at the bottom of the list that should be here. But uh, yeah, I'll leave it up to you for the next five. Okay. Um, this is where it gets a little bit controversial, Marshall. Yeah. I've got Oscar Piastri at number 10. I've got Pierre Gasly at number nine. I've got Carlos Sainz at eight, Sergio Perez at seven, and Lando Norris at six. So mm, okay. I, I, I did rank Pierre Gasly ahead of Oscar Piastri, which might be a little bit controversial given the forms this year. But if you look at their uh, their points compared to one another, they're not that far off. I think, although this might look like a big gap in the driver's standings, and we might've seen a lot more of Oscar Piastri than we have of Pierre Gasly uh, higher up the pecking order this year. I just, 
in my mind, Piastri is still a rookie. Now, in two or three years' time, Piastri will definitely be higher up this list. There's no doubt about that. But we have to remember, he is still a rookie. And I think a lot of his performances this year have not only been him being a great driver, but also uh, him being in, in, in really good machinery in the, in the McLaren that we've seen make such a great resurgence over these last couple months. A part of a part of me put wanted to put Gasly uh, at number nine was because of the two podiums that he has this year. Like that, that doing it in a midfield Alpine, where in a season where we've seen kind of the top five cars lock up the the the, the ten the top ten in the on, on the grid has been has been pretty profound. And Gasly has a, a, a podium in the sprint, and he also has a podium in the actual race itself. And I can, the same thing can be said with Ocon, right? Like we've had Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari, McLaren, and Aston Martin pretty much lock up that entire top 10 throughout the entire season. So the fact that he he's has two podiums in that midfield Alpine is, is, is what kind of wanted me to put him ahead of Piastri. On top of that, he has more experience. And again, he has that race win that Piastri doesn't. Now Piastri does have a sprint win, but again, winning a race over 60 or 70 odd laps is different from winning an actual sprint. So, I, that's what kind of justified me putting Gasly ahead of Piastri. And on top of that, he does he does have more podiums. And in addition to that, he's also been in weaker machinery and he's and he's been able to put it on the top three steps of the podium um, a, a couple more times than Piastri. I know Piastri's only had one season, but for now, I'll, I'll put Piastri behind Gasly. And then I have Sainz, Perez, and Norris. Now, the thing with Perez, <laughs> this is a little bit controversial because given, given the seasons that they're both having, people would probably put Sainz ahead of Perez, but... Again, I have to I have to look at statistics at the end of the day because we have never seen signs in the machinery that Perez has been in. And a lot of the time I'm going back to statistics. And in addition to that, we have a guy in Perez who was always able to, I think with Perez, he, he I think he's done a better job outperforming his machinery than science has. You might have a different opinion than I, I do, but that's just the way I see it now. And then you have Perez's six wins to science's two. I know science has a few more pulls than Perez does. And then you obviously look at the podium ratio between the two and I have to look at statistics sometimes at the end of the day because we don't know how Sainz would be performing in the Red Bull. He might be a little bit better. He might be the more consistent driver, but just for now, I'll have to put, I'll have to put Perez over Sainz given their, given their careers and what I was able to see from Perez during the earlier stages of his career when he was outperforming his machinery compared to Sainz, who, although he did do that, I don't think he did it to the level that Perez did. And I've got Lando Norris at six now. I want you to give me your top 10 and then I'll tell you why I have Lando Norris outside the top five. Yeah, so this, this is wild. We have this, again, drivers are pretty similar, but uh, reasoning is crazy different. So I got Piastri at 10, I have Perez at nine, I have Gasly at eight, Sainz at seven, and Leclerc at six. And yeah, so the thing about me for Perez, and I've really been the last couple of weeks, been, been looking back at not just this year, but his entire career. and. It's kind of recontextualizing the way I look at him and science too. That there's a reason I've swapped him in science because usually I would have Perez closer to seven, science closer to nine. But the way I think about Perez is okay. So you go back to his early career. Um, he, he scoundered some like you know crazy um, out of there podiums for for Sauber way back in the early 2010s, and then he was very quiet with Force India for about a decade. He gets to the the restructured racing point, and I think that racing point car was a lot better than a lot of people give it credit for. And, and you look back and you think, okay, well, who was his teammate? It was Lance Stroll. It was a guy that, especially earlier, you know, had even less pace on, on the uh, conventional tracks in the dry. 
I think he, he blew him out of the water the same way we've seen every one of uh, Stroll's teammates do, except, you know, save for that one year where he was with goodness. Forget the, I, I actually forget the guy's name. He was so terrible. But yeah, I just, uh, they're, they're, I think they may be a little bit overblown. Um, obviously that race that he got the win, massive credit, one of the best races I've watched in the last five years, but that race that he won there in secure, um, all of Mercedes issues, that should have been George Russell's first win. Um, and just all this stuff going on, it, it it really cemented to me that okay, as soon as he got to Red Bull, I was like, I was I, I was kind of buying the hype. A lot of people had it. I was like, oh, I think he'll be a good number two. I think he'll be a good support option. And obviously, we saw that the year that uh, Verstappen won uh, his first title, that race with Hamilton, the Minister of Defense, and all that. He has a purpose, but man, he's just never looked that great. I I don't think he particularly outperforms anything. I think he did exactly what he should have done for Racing Point. Um, that year, except a little bit better. But I think that car was better than people give it credit for. But then you think about science. You know, people think of him as being really a number two wherever he's gone. But we talk about the guys further up on our list. I know you, you have Norris a lot lower than I do, but you still you still have him in the top six. I mean, people forget science, science beat Norris in the points the year he was with him. He beat, I think he's going to beat Leclerc in the points this year. And I know there's reasons that these things happen, but he's outperforming teammates that we have much higher ranked. And, and I think it's, it's, he's really consistent. He doesn't have the high-end pace these guys necessarily have. But I think for sure you put signs in a Red Bull this year. I think he's comfortably P2. I think he maybe gets a, even a few more wins than Perez did um, in, in races that Verstappen struggles, like Singapore. I think he would have took, taken Singapore in a Red Bull, to be honest. Um, and I, I don't even think there'd be much of a competition. I think he'd be a pretty consistent podium fixture. So, yeah, I have I have uh, signs higher. Gasly, for the same reasons you said, I think he has a lot of raw potential and he just hasn't been able to show it since he left Red Bull. I have a Claire at six, which is maybe a surprise, but just in terms of, again, making mistakes, bottling opportunities, he should have been better. That that Ferrari was, inc- like I think, a lot better than people give it credit for those years that he and Vettel were really competitive with it. So, yeah, I, I do think that uh, Leclerc maybe gets a little bit too much credit, and, and maybe it's just how much I elevate two particular British guys above him in this list. But uh, that's my that's my 10 to 6. Wow, you really convinced me that Sainz is a lot higher than he should be. Definitely higher than Perez. So kudos yeah. to you. Um, the reason why I have Lando at number six, maybe we are overhyping Lando Norris a little bit, Marshall. What do you think? Because I have George Russell ahead of Lando Norris, and I kind of wrote it here in my notes. Qualifying P2 in a 2021 Williams is probably one of the greatest performances in F1 history. I think we can both yeah. agree on that. Yeah. And the fact that he has a race and a sprint win to his name as opposed to Lando Norris is the only reason why I put him ahead of the McLaren driver. That That's pretty much it. And then I have Leclerc at four, I have Alonso at three, Hamilton at two, and I think you you and I can both guess who I put at number one. That's pretty self-explanatory. We don't even need to touch on yeah. that. But um, uh, yeah, per, like Leclerc at the beginning of 2022, I think he proved that he can go head to head with Max to some extent when he is put in equal machinery. He never had the fastest car in F1, yet he has five wins, 28 podiums, and 2020 and 20 22 pulls, and which is pretty profound because. If you look at his uh, pull to win ratio, it's it's pretty wild. You and I have talked about that a little bit. And he's yeah. also not far off for Stappen in terms of pulls too. So he's definitely like a superior qualifier. I think he does make a lot of mistakes and he's kind of proven time and time again why he might still not be a world championship caliber driver. I just, when I look at Verstappen, when I look at Hamilton, when I look at Alonso, all those seasons when they were in the best car and they were driving to the best of their abilities, they weren't making that many mistakes. Like when was the last time you've seen Verstappen in a wall in the last two years? Same thing with Hamilton, right? We see Leclerc in the wall almost every other race, which is why I think I can't put him any higher. Um, But yeah, uh, maybe, maybe we do rank Lando a little bit lower. I just think 
a lot of why he's been uh, having a lot of success this year is because of that car that he's in. And in the same breath, like how, how many times have you and I have undermined not only like McLaren's driver lineup, but also Lando's uh, potential to be a world driver uh, champion is because of the heat, that, like that race win that he just doesn't have yet. Whereas you look yeah. at all the other guys ahead of him do have race wins. That that definitely does matter, which is why I initially even put Perez ahead of Sainz because of the race wins that he has compared to Sainz's race wins. So again, you have to look at statistics a little bit. I just think it, it, it definitely is hard with, with drivers because you don't know how certain uh, pilots would be would be operating in, in in different machinery. So I do have Alonzo third. Um, outstanding season. Likely could have finished ahead of Hamilton, I think, had he had his team not hindered their, their pace mid-season with those inadequate upgrades. And he has the second most podiums this season in an Aston Martin that I don't think is in the top three anymore. It's definitely four, fourth or fifth after uh, after Red Bull, Mercedes, McLaren, and Ferrari. So he's just been driving incredibly. And I think he was driving really well even when he wasn't scoring podiums and winning races in between, I think, 2014 and, and 2019, 2020. I know he retired a little bit, but he, then he ended up coming back and he was still performing pretty well in, in the Alpine years and definitely in McLaren. That was pretty brutal, but he was putting in that car that it, he was putting that car in places where it shouldn't have been. And then again, putting Hamilton P2, I was really reluctant to, to put him this high, but at the end of the day, I think statistically the greatest driver of all time. He proved in 2021 that he can go toe to toe with Max, with a young and prime Max in equal machinery. And the fact that he's so close behind Sergio Perez, who is operating an RB19, isn't talked about enough, I think. And I think other than Max, he's definitely been the most consistent driver this season. Obviously, he had that incident in Qatar, but if he's not finishing on the podium, he's P4, P5, P6. And then again, as I mentioned, I don't need to give anyone a justification as to why I put Verstappen at a number one. That's pretty self-explanatory. I think he proved this year that not only is he in the best car, but he's also the best driver. And I think given the gaps that he's able to put on his opponents once he gets into clear air is, is outstanding. And on top of that, he, his, his, uh, his lack of, um, mistakes is also what, what kind of puts him there as well. I feel like maybe a lot of guys would panic if they were, they were in the position that he was in, or maybe they would get a little bit nervous knowing that they have the best car and they have to win, but he's just been so poised and, and persistent this season that I had to give him that number one. But, uh, yeah, I'm curious to see who you, who you ranked in your top five before we wrap things up here. Yeah, I mean, it's simple. I agree with the top two, Verstappen, then Hamilton. And I, even Hamilton, I think part of why I have him at two is, is just on respect for his whole career. I think if you, you, you ask me who I want, like what two two drivers and I want in a car today, I don't think Hamilton would be my second driver to, to you know, um, be fair to some of the guys lower. Um, but I actually do. You were talking about us being lower on Norris. And I think that is generally true. And I did a weird thing with this where I'm kind of projecting on next year, but I actually have Norris at three. And the reason the reason I have him there is because we we do talk about the opportunities he's had that he has squandered, most famously Russia um, in 20, is that 2020, I believe, uh, 2021. Yes. Um, yeah, he should definitely have a win to his career. But you think about the results he's he's had over, even though over the last couple of years, he's had fairly similar numbers to like a Russell or an Alonzo. And I think Alonzo, you just compare this season. Um, Alonzo, you want to go race by race. I think has had a better car over the whole year than I think Norris has in terms of if you just average it out, I think Norris, I think Lando may have been more competitive. I'm not saying you would have picked up a win, um, maybe at Baku, but in, in, in that early season, Aston Martin, I think Lando would have been a real great shot 
um, that I just don't think that McLaren has ever had a race winning pace with, with Max in the equation this year. So I do think Norris kind of is a little bit, you know, performs stuff a little bit. Um, I'm that I have Alonzo at four again, just basically the same reasons you gave. And then Russell at five. And I, I love Russell. I, I, I give Russell so much credit, especially this year. There's the, again, this narrative that he has been so much weaker than Hamilton these last two years. And it's, it's just crazy to me. They've been so much closer than people seem to think. Um, so I, yeah, I, I have Russell there. Just, just has to be more consistent. Just has to prove himself. Like that mistake at Singapore shouldn't have happened. I think there are, are superior drivers who I think maybe, maybe pick up the win there that that he just didn't. Um, but obviously the qualifying pace. Yeah, that, that, a couple of years ago that uh, that P two with the Williams was was incredible, and um, obviously re done really well at Brazil the last couple of years. So. Yeah, I, I put Russell at five. I, I don't think it's crazy. I, I I would maybe move Norris now if you had to ask me today. Um, maybe even move. No, I, I, I'm actually pretty I'm pretty content with the list that uh, that we have there. And then Verstappen at one. It's not even a question. Best driver in the world. He will be, I think, till he retires, unless somebody new comes out. Um, youngest driver in history to start a race. Youngest race winner. So I just, yeah, there's so much raw talent there. that. Yeah. yeah. He, he's been absolutely outstanding this year. I don't think we can create an argument as to why we should put anyone higher than him at this point but uh yeah that's all we have that's all the time we have for today folks again enjoy the race this weekend uh we are expecting to to see a crazy race given the circumstances and given that it's a new track so hopefully we don't see Verstappen finishing p1 but uh yeah we'll see what happens again i'm alexa and i'm marshall and uh, we'll see you guys next week for the final episode of season one take care everyone have a good one